0: So, Genesis 1, 14 through 25, you guys want to stand with me? I'll read through it. It's a little bit longer, so you guys can make it. All right, Genesis 1, 14 through 25. Then God said, Let there be lights in the firmament of the heavens to divide the day from the night, and let them be for signs and seasons, and for days and years, and let them be for lights in the firmament of the heavens. To give light on the earth, and it was so. Then God made two great lights, the greater light to rule the day, and the lesser light to rule the night. He made the stars also. God set them in the firmament of the heavens to give light on the earth, and to rule over the day and over the night, and to divide the light from the darkness. And God, God saw that it was good, so in the evening and the morning were the fourth day. Then God said, Let the waters abound with an abundance of living creatures. And let birds fly above the earth across the face of the firmament of the heavens. So God created great sea creatures and every living thing that moves with which the waters abounded according to their kind. And every winged bird according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. And God blessed them saying, be fruitful and multiply and fill the waters in the seas and let the birds multiply on the earth. So the evening and the morning were the fifth day. Then God said, let the earth bring forth the living creatures according to its kind, cattle and creeping thing and beasts of the earth, each according to its kind. And it was so. And God made the beasts of the earth according to its kind, cattle according to its kind, and everything that creeps on the earth according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. And we're going to stop there for this evening. Father in heaven, we thank you for your word. Um, Lord, we thank you for our church family that you've given us. We thank you for this time that you've given us. God, our desire now is to faithfully read this living word that you've um, given us. Lord, that we would look into it to see the areas of our life that um, need to align with you. Lord, let the seed that's planted from this take root And we ask that it would bear fruit in our community, in our families, in our neighborhoods, in our workplaces. And Lord, as we study through this first book of the Bible, this foundation, Lord, would we find our identity in what you say and not ourselves, not what we think, not what we desire. But Lord, would you humble us that we would be subject to how you've created us and that we'd see that as we study through your scripture. Holy Spirit, I ask and desperately need your help as always. Would you, in my weakness, prove strong? And would you teach? Would you speak to the hearts in ways that I can't? But Lord, would you use me as a vessel, um, however you see fit for your glory? In Jesus' name, amen. Cool, you guys have a seat. So we did, uh, we've been going through Genesis, and we've gone through 1 through 13, one, day one was we had the creation of time. Day two, we had weather and the atmosphere, basically, with the separation of the waters and the firmament. And then day three, we had seasons. And then we unpacked also that we see that, um, not last week, but the week before, we unpacked that those are the three things that you see after the flood that will never cease. Um, seed time and harvest. God basically reiterates these backwards, that these will will never end. And so now we're, we get to days four and five and we kind of did half of six. And so we're going to just unpack these and, and what we can see happening, what the author's trying to get across to us. Remember a theme through this whole thing. It's the building of the, the home and not just the building of the house, taking a, zoomed out look and not looking strictly for the creation of matter, but seeing the function that the Lord is creating, creating order out of chaos, taking, um, his just sheer creative beauty and putting it into order. And he's, he's setting a stage for something that we're going to continue to see. And ultimately we'll see, um, at the end of the story of creation. Um, As we're going through this, this is the, the author is taking us back continually to, um, the functions as, as I've reiterated over and over again, that what the Lord's desire here is not to, if if we're asking for scientific, we're looking for scientific answers. We're asking, I think the wrong questions out of Genesis, um, as I said before. So as we go through that, that same thing continues what you're going to see. And the reason I, uh, the reason I had tackled four and five, we've been doing a day at a time, I tackled four and five and a part of six today, is with those first three days, um, we're actually, in a way, it's going to seem like we're doubling back and we're going through those first three days again. And so that's the literary design of this story, is that day four is going to coincide with day one, day five is going to coincide with day two, and day six is going to coincide with day three, and if you even want to nerd out even more the way that day three and day six kind of are kind of have dual parts. So it's this rhythm that the, whether you think it's Moses or another author, the, the rhythm through inspirational Holy Spirit that he's painting with literary design is what's happening. So even in the literature, it's beautiful. Um, so let's just start with day three then God said, let there be lights in the firmament of the heavens, divide the day from the night and let them be for signs and seasons for the days and years and let them be for lights in the firmament of the heavens to give light on the earth. And it was so, and then God made the two great lights, the greater light to rule the day and the lesser light to rule the night. And right there, you probably have an image pop in your head. We'll talk about that. He made the stars also, same thing. God sent them in the firmament of the heavens to give light on the earth and to rule over the day and over the night and to divide the light from the darkness. And God saw that it was good. So the evening and the morning were the fourth day. So t- here we typically, we can run into a problem. And so with, a, with this uh, series so far, I feel like I've, I've had a few disclaimers to where, hey, this is going to make you think, or this is going to push you to want to dig during the week. This is one time where I feel like I might be able to take some weight off of you. This typically day four is where um, when we look at it strictly as a, an account of matter being created, we run into a problem because we see light being created on day one. And then we see what we would say scientifically we know as light then, on day four, so then it becomes this okay well what's what's really going on here? I think that settles really easy when we look at it as the functions. so we see um, let the doo-doo-doo. oops skip that uh, lights in the ferment. Let there be lights in the firmament of the heavens to divide the day from the night. So remember back in Genesis, the very first day before there was even a day, so there was creation and then there was evening and there was morning. If you guys remember that, the very, well, it was the second week, but it was the very first day of creation. They were saying that that is time that God created light. He immediately called light day. So that was the metonymy. He was referring to a period of light and a period of darkness, and he separated those two. And it seems like that's what I was saying. We're going back, but that, that we're reiterating this day one. Um, what is happening here? Also, if you remember, I don't have the slide, but uh, do you guys remember the ancient Israelite picture of what the world looked like from them? So it was, oh man, the tech guys are epic. I don't know where you dug that out of. Um, Okay. So yeah, so you have the waters above the waters. So here we see, um, see how the sun, the moon, and the stars are inside the firmament where again, it's not correct, but we're not looking for a scientific explanation from Genesis. So, When I say, where's the line? uh, And let them be for lights in the firm heavens, give life on the earth. And God made two great lights, the greater light to rule the day and the lesser light to rule the night. What's the picture you have in your head? What are the two things? What's the greater light and the lesser light? Sun and the moon, right? So do you picture planets? Like you picture the actual sun or you picture the actual moon, right? Where this is, these ancient Israelites aren't thinking, um, again, to reiterate the The difference of how we picture this, the the greater light and the lesser light, they are not thinking of big, round, massive, like a massive ball of burning gas and a big, massive planet. They're not thinking that way. They're thinking these are lights within the firmament. That's, That's their worldview of the time. And also stars are within the firmament. Stars were viewed as gems or engravings in the solid firmament. So that arch was thought of as solid, this blue arch that covers us that we know as the sky. And the stars are gems and carvings within that firmament. So the view isn't, don't let that rattle you. As I've said before, this view isn't trying to give us a scientific, that Moses, whoever you think the author may be, has science, knows the science of the 21st century. You imagine um, to me, it's just the wisdom of the Lord, for one, which we're going to unpack and I'm going to try to illustrate tonight, is that just the creation of matter is awesome, but the wisdom of the Lord and that the function of it and not, not handcuffing us to science. You imagine between that beginning of time and now, how often has views of science changed like countless, right? Countless discoveries, countless things. And that becomes a battle. Every new discovery becomes a battle to like, so whatever, I don't even know, like a hundred years ago, trying to make the Bible make scientific sense Not that it doesn't make scientific sense, but trying to say that, oh, it's, it's making scientific claims lining up with whatever science is saying. And then it changes. And all of a sudden we have to change how we interpret scripture to then keep making it fit to make sense where I believe the Lord has freed us from that. He's like, I'm not, I'm not saying that. And that's not the importance of this. The importance of this is the functionality that I'm giving the order that I'm setting up and the purpose that I'm laying out to the, where this grand picture of what the creation account is. And even in some ways, I I think about it through the week. In some ways, I feel like I'm even doing us a disservice by breaking this story up into days because it is an overarching story, I think. And that's why I keep saying like day seven, day seven, day seven. But day seven is where I really feel like the whole story comes together. And in breaking it up, um, in some ways, I do feel like we're, We're not getting the whole story. So you guys have to keep coming back to get this whole story. Um, So he's making the, he's making the, the sun and the moon, but they're referring to them as lights. He's creating the stars and what he's doing here. And we're going to just, it's the same thing that's going to happen on day five. And it's the same thing that's going to happen on day six, but day six is really personal. We're going to get into it next week because we're in that day. But what's happening is, is he's created these functions. So he's created like uh, a space. So he's created a, I was going to have another analogy up here, but I don't want to run out of time. So these glasses of water. So like we have these three glasses of water. If you can just imagine the analogy. So God has created these three glasses of water and they serve a purpose. Now the main goal, we could say you could use a glass or not even of water. Just say a glass. You can use a glass for anything. Um, but we would say the main purpose of that glass is then to drink something. So now the functionary is the water within that glass. So the Lord has created time and he's created now he's, he's calling out the functionaries that are going to make this happen. And we see that spelled out here in, uh, let there be lights in the front of the heavens to divide the day from the night. Let them be for signs and seasons for days and for years, and let them be for lights in the firmament of the heavens to give light to the earth. And it was so. So it's, we're seeing again what we were seeing in the first day, where we're seeing time pass. These are for signs, these are for seasons. This is even, uh, it's referring to actually like religious um, holidays as well in here, are the signs and seasons. So he's laying these, these functions. He's laying. Um, filling in this space of these functionaries that are that are going to happen. Um, it's more than just material things coming into place. And you could even ask the question, and it, again, we get into the uh, debate, whether maybe or not, but you get into um, what it actually God, if, if we view it as a, mater- a day, creation is material creation, then what did God actually make on day four? Did he actually, is he saying he created this? Um, And you could take that view. There's a lot of views. Genesis. This is a, this is a difficult book we're going through. If at least the creation account, if you weren't aware, there's a lot of different views on Genesis of strong Bible believing Christians. As we go through and try to really study what's being said here, the foundations there, but we can look at this different ways. And so what is God actually creating here? And it's I think day four is one of the strongest examples of function, of function, 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 is that it's not the the um the actual creation of the moon, sun, and stars, as crazy as it may sound, but it's he's calling out these are what these are for. This is the order that I'm creating, which we've been doing Um, one through three so far. Does that make sense? Like this glass that he's now filling with the functionaries. So then as we go to day five, um, then God said, let the waters abound with an abundance of living creatures and let the birds fly above across the earth, the face of the firmament of the heavens. So God created a great sea creatures and every living thing that moves with which the waters abound according to their kind and every winged bird, according to its kind. And God saw that it was good And God blessed them saying, be fruitful and multiply and fill the waters in the seas and let the birds multiply on the earth. So the evening and the morning were the fifth day. So again, think of that empty glass and the Lord is filling that with the functionaries. So we have the function and filling it with the functionaries. So we had day two, if you remember, was separation of the waters from the waters. So then we had the water, water and firmament in the middle. So what's happening on this day. Those are getting filled in, right? So we have birds of the air and we have the sea creatures. And then he gives them their task and God blessed them and said, be fruitful and multiply and fill the waters and the seas and let the birds multiply on the earth. And so the evening, and the morning were the fifth day. We see these functionaries fill in. And I think to me this day, um, day five and six, all the days really, but I think this day to me stands out to where I think we see beauty in, or maybe God shows his beauty. He lets it kind of hang out a little bit more than the other days is where the Lord is, is filling these things, um, filling these this order that he's created, he's now stacking on top of that order with the functionaries that will carry that out. And I don't know, maybe if you're a space person, then you're super into, then really the beauty for you is day four. Cause like, Oh wow. Like the Lord made the cosmos and just these galaxies and it's, it's gorgeous. Um, but I'm thinking on this earth, the Lord fills it. And he's not just about function. I think he's showing in, if you look at just animals, look at, look at the world. He's not only creating function, but it's gorgeous. It's gorgeous function. It's, it's beautiful. He's displaying his sheer creativity, his sheer artistry, his sheer magnificence in creation as well as creating function he's creating a beautiful place a beautiful space and there's a beautiful purpose that he's running towards there's a beautiful purpose that he's running towards and if you can't guess it it's we will find it on day 7 as i've told you plenty of times it's like um as we go through this i can i can hammer so much on function that we've i think i can not do justice to the beauty that the Lord has is creating and, and bringing into play. And those two aren't mutually exclusive. So right now we're doing uh, a bunch of guys from here helping us remodel our house, but get it ready so that my wife and the kids can move in. And so we have a fireplace and there is a certain one, the fireplace to look a certain way. So the fireplace has a function. It's to light fires in when it's cold and, hang out and be warm and cozy with the family. But at the same time, there was value in just because it serves its function, no matter what it looks like, it doesn't mean I just go, well, let's, let's work on this or let's work on the kitchen. No, we were trying to make the fireplace look a certain way and look beautiful and make it, we're doing everything we can to make it this big, like cement looking block with a cool, like modern cutout for wood in it. And the function didn't change at all, but we're beautifying it. It's, it's, I think that's what we're seeing the Lord do here is that he's in his creation. He's magnificently creative and magnificently artistic and, and beautiful. And that's a side of them that we can't just lose as we go through this, this, as I, I go through this, or as we go through this together, this can seem real mathematical, just like day one, day two, day three, blah, 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 like this, is the functions, but the Lord's creating, especially in these days four, five, and six, where we see him populate these spaces, where we see him after he set up these, these empty glasses, so to speak, and now he's filling it with the functionaries. We see just beauty and creativity. And I mean, just think of all the sea creatures. That's, the, our fish tank out here. Like what are some of the weirdest but beautiful looking things in there. And then birds. So same thing happens in, in day six. Again, this is personal for us, as we're going to find in day six, we're in that day. So then we had day one coincided with day four, which he created time. And so he had the light and day. And then we see on day four, we have the sun and the moon, but they're just the, the two great lights referred to in scripture by the author and then the stars. And then day two, we have the separation from the waters from the water. So we have the firmament, which is our sky or heavens referred to in scripture. And then we have the water. And so those are being populated with the birds and the fish. And then we have the, let the waters recede and expose the earth. And so now on day six, we have the Lord bringing the, the beast of the earth. So go to uh, 24. Then God said, let the earth bring forth the living creatures according to its kind, cattle and creepy thing and beast of the earth, each according to its kind. And it was so, and God made the beast of the earth according to its kind, cattle according to its kind and everything that creeps on the earth, according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. Once again, God's giving purpose and identity to the objects of creation. And he's doing it again with beauty, with magnificence, with artistry as he's filling these spaces. There's one thing. So next week we're going to, we're going to continue that day six. And we're going to go into where we find ourselves. We find ourselves coming into the picture all of a sudden. We find ourselves being dropped into one of those those glasses. And we find in there, we're going to find purpose. We're going to find what the Lord has created us to be. And when we look at the creation account as the assigning of functions, then we see not only ourselves come into play, as we'll see it next week, not just come into play and be to be, to be alive, to be created, but created with purpose. And what is that purpose? And that's how fitting that it's the very first thing. You open up the Bible and you start at the beginning, and you're immediately going to find the identity. What's the identity that the Lord has assigned to creation and each individual part of creation? And how has He assigned it? And what is our identity within that? Because that's what He's getting us back to, and that's what we need to know, not the identity that we've desire to have or or strive to have, but okay, Lord, how have you designed us? How, how have you designed us to function? What is the role that you have designed me to play so that I can get in line with that, not you get in line with what I want me to be, what I want my existence to look like. And there's also something else that we haven't tackled as this is as is happening, and it's the most common thing that's happening throughout Genesis so far. Is with every day God speaking, right? And that's pointing to, that's not a small feat that whether you, whether you view Genesis as the creation of actual matter, or you view Genesis as it's telling a different story of the, the function um, or any of the other options that are out there. I encourage you guys to study whatever you view it as the constant is that God spoke And what it's doing is it's constantly pointing back to him. So things aren't being created and let run on their own. It's pointing back to entire creation is reliant on God. Entire creation is reliant on God. That he speaks and without him, things aren't existing and things aren't in order that we are all completely reliant on him. Do you guys remember back? It was, uh, I think it was week one, I was unpacking the, um, the mindset of the ancient near East and how their culture is so much different than ours. And one characteristic that is quite different than ours is that they don't, there was no separation between natural and supernatural. Do you guys remember that at all? So we have, we kind of silo things naturally um, where we say, this is supernatural and this isn't supernatural. Whereas this author, where he's writing from, and I think it's the the picture that we need to get back to is that there's no division of natural and supernatural, that the Lord is, that the entire earth and all of creation is fully dependent on God and it is all supernatural. He is in everything. He is not just creating things. I don't have anything to put up here. Pencil. He's not just creating pencil. And like, I made that, but he's created this and then designed the function and he's engaged. He's in our lives. That's why we pray is because we, it's funny how we just separate this stuff. But if we would stop and think, we'd see that we're, we kind of live it out two different ways. We believe in a God who comes into our lives and gets his hands into our lives and helps us and engages in our lives and that when we pray to him what we say to him matters and that he wants to come in and help and he wants to comfort right we believe that we you guys sit around with me every week and and we pray yet we spiritualize some things and don't spiritualize others so if there's a need um somebody's in need of money they fall on hard times and if a check shows up in the mail, it's supernatural. But then it's not as supernatural to us if the Lord provides a way for them to, the Lord gives them a job or whatever it may be. We we almost classify supernatural as as things, it's just simply can't, we can't explain it. And so that becomes the, oh, those are the things the Lord's in. There's, there's even a phrase where I don't want to pick on it, but... Um, I think it's like, if you can explain it, the Lord's not in it. Which I just don't think that's true. The Lord is in everything that we're doing. And when we view that the Lord is in everything we're doing, there is nothing in your life. There is nothing in your day and there's nothing in your week that's mundane. It may feel it, but there's nothing mundane about your life. And what that does is it just not a weight because the Holy spirit is our helper, but what an opportunity we've been given that you getting up and going to a job is supernatural that the Lord has redeemed your life and put you in a place and is aligning you with people at your workplace for his purposes. It's supernatural. And though we can't, it looks really natural to us. Remember I asked you guys the question, uh, is it, is it natural or supernatural? If, uh, you plant an apple seed and an apple tree grows. Seems natural, right? Like, oh yeah, because that makes sense. And that's how the earth works. Is it natural or supernatural? Uh, my wife's pregnant. We're going to have our third child. Is that natural or supernatural? It's like, whoa, oh, that starts to get like, I'm not sure that feels like both because it's just very natural, but it's also, it's too beautiful to be just natural. But that's that's the the mix-up. Everything. The Lord isn't everything. It's it's supernatural. And your your daily life, He's moving in it. He's moving in the conversations that we have. We're, he's moving in the, the small little minuscule moments that you you talk with somebody on a Sunday morning, or you stay and you talk with somebody on a Sunday night. He's, he's in those moments doing supernatural work. We just don't see it because we think of the, the unexplainable miracles, so to speak. So as we look through, go through Genesis and keep seeing that God said, that God said, that God said, and all of creation is pointing back to God, saying that we are reliant on God. We know that the, for one, the author and the intended reader of Genesis who this was writing to, they don't have that separation of natural and supernatural. So we shouldn't have that separation of natural and supernatural that the Lord is in everything. There's nothing mundane that it can completely make sense and still be the Lord because it's the Lord working through me. It's the Lord working through you. It's, it's hard work. It's supernatural for me to be a good husband. Although I can explain to you steps that I have to take to be a good husband. And it is supernatural for my wife to be such an awesome wife and mother, but my wife could articulate how she is being an awesome wife and mother. But that's because in both those instances, we're looking as, well, the Lord is the one who is in that he's living through us and therefore it's supernatural. And that's every minute of every day. And what a gift we have to have that kind of impact on this earth. So God speaks and all of creation is reliant on him. And therefore there's nothing in our life since all of creation is reliant, then there's nothing in our life. That's mundane that we can look over. It's not to just get past it so we can get to more spiritual things. It's in those things. The Lord is still working and we find our identity in the picture. He's, he's painting, the purpose that he's writing for us. Um, my analogy, so I, my brain works in metaphors and analogies, so visually, so I brought you guys a puzzle tonight. So this is my analogy for us. When we're looking for our identity, especially in our world right now, our culture is, we have identity issues, do we not? Major identity issues that our culture is going through, our world is going through. And it doesn't seem like there's anything new under the sun. It's the same deception of us making ourselves Lord of our lives and wanting to be anything other than the thing that God has created us to be. Anything other. Um, And it's just the brokenness. Our sinful nature wants to, does not want to be under leadership, to be under an authority. And so we have these, we have these pieces. Now, if you get a puzzle like this, there's 1,500 pieces here in this puzzle. The McPhersons provided this for me. So thank you guys. So you get a puzzle like this, and you look at this piece you guys can't see this, because that's but I mean, I can tell you, I have no idea what that is. You look at this piece, and you have no idea where it fits, right? Naturally if you've done any puzzles, what's the first thing you do when you open a box and you get all these pieces on the floor? Yeah. Find the edges. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Flip them over. So you're seeing the picture. You guys find the edges. And then you look at this, right? You look at what what you're trying to make. You imagine, have you, or maybe you have done it, where... Edges, you can cheat a little bit because you have like flat sides. And so you go through the whole thing and then you're making a puzzle. You have no idea what it's supposed to look like. And so you're taking a piece and just looking for it to fit places. Genesis, I believe, is the, the top of the box for us. Genesis is we're going to see specifically for us, but hopefully you see it through days one through six and a half, which we went through today is Genesis is the box cover, which is telling us, this is the picture. This is where you find your identity. This is where you may have different desires and that's your sinful nature. But when you fall in line here, things are going to click. The picture is going to make sense. But when we go outside this and we try to cram this piece and another piece that don't fit together And we're trying to make it work with, this is, well, I know that's the picture, but I want to be something different. I want to find my identity in me. I want to look to me for the answers. I want to be the Lord of my life. I want to find a way to fit over here because I'm not content with being this. And I want to fit over here. And we cram ourselves into that spot. And what does it do? It affects not just us, but every puzzle piece around us. And it messes. Is is the picture going to be the same when we're done with that one piece off? It's not. Genesis is us looking back as the Lord is laying out that this is this first book of this living word that I've given you. This is where you look to, to not simply find that God created this piece. There's a lot more going on here. God created that piece for sure. But what we're finding in Genesis is this is where you fit in my creation. This is where everything fits. And we've seen kind of everybody's spot so far, but this is the structure of what I've created. And it's not simply God saying I've created all this stuff and this is a natural world now world go. And the world's just spinning and doing its thing. And God's standing over here waiting for somebody to pray to him. And then he runs in and intervenes on it. But that he's created this. He says, this is the way that I've created this. This is how you fit into my creation with a specific purpose. And anything outside that is going to mess up the picture. And we know from the fall, Genesis three, which we'll get to it. That's exactly what happens. We decide as human beings to not live underneath the Lord's kingship under this creation, but his creation that he's created and how we're going to fit in. But we're going to decide we're going to make our own picture. And we're not designed that way. We don't have that freedom. We're not God. We can't change our identity. We can't change the way He's created us to be. This is this is who we are as human beings, male and female. This is how He's created us to function in this world. And so next week we're gonna get through um, our role, our divine role that the Lord has created us, what He's created that for. In which it's the end of day six, but I'll tell you as a a hint, we are not the pinnacle of the story. We may be the, the have dominion over the earth and he's created all this and he has had us in mind as he's creating the space. But I'll tell you, we're not the pinnacle of the creation, that there's a larger, there's something larger, bigger than us. Thank God, bigger than us. That's, that's at play here and that we are not the center of our universe, but that the Lord is doing something much, much, much larger. And so next week we'll be doing that, but no, as, as, as we go this week and as we go into prayer and taking communion and worship, the thing that you can take away from this tonight, hopefully is that the Lord has designed you specifically. And he's designed, when I say this, I'm talking about human, human beings, humanity, humanity, that he's designed us a certain way, but the Lord has individually designed all of us for something as well. And there's nothing mundane. And so as tomorrow, whatever you do, whether if you go to your job or whatever you do in your week tomorrow, wake up with purpose or you don't have to wait till tomorrow. We finish the sermon and then we're going to go into praying. There's nothing mundane that the Lord has created us and he's in everything He's, he's speaking, which is pointing to that all of creation is reliant on him, all waiting on him, looking back to him, that in him, we find our purpose. So that's why we have personal relationship with our Lord, because he will guide us individually in our purposes through life. So that that conversation you have with the mailman, which seems totally chance and the throwaway conversation can... Now we have the mindset of everything I do can have an eternal effect, which it really does. And I don't lay that on you as a weight. I think it's, it's beautiful. It it takes the mundane out of life. It's that what we do matters that the Lord has brought us to life And now he's living and we're his tangible hands and feet on this earth. If, if Jesus were here or we were living in Jesus's time, you wouldn't go. We don't think there's anything mundane about Jesus's life, right? When we read the, the new Testament, we're like picking apart everything he did because everything meant something. We're him. We're him on this, this earth. We're to continue his ministry and do even greater. But we don't view ourselves in that way. It's like, oh, the mundane, mundane. But it's really spiritual when we, although it is everything spiritual, but it's just to get to church on Sunday or um, whatever it may be. Like your devotional time is the only time where you're thinking supernatural and then everything else. Well, the job is just this necessary evil. No, it's an absolute massive blessing that the Lord is using. It's that avenue that he's gotten you into a place that you can be him You can be Jesus' tangible hands and feet in a place and bring light and bring salt and minister and play a role, which this is unreal, but get to play a role in the redemption of a soul for eternity. That the Lord lets us play a part in that redemptive framework is incredible.